Malcolm Honline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. He joins us for the weekly update here on a Friday morning era of Shabbos. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you. Good to be with you. Appreciate that. It's unusual for me to start by asking you for a comment about the weather in Israel, but we know about this horrific uh, flash flooding, which uh, and, and the, the videos, frankly, are almost impossible to believe when we see them, and the danger that everyone's in who's near these sites uh, is unfathomable. And, of course, it took the lives of 10 teenagers in this horrific tragedy uh, that, again, um, uh, not much to say about it, but I felt uh, we have to start by at least denoting it and by uh, extending our uh, condolences to those families who are suffering through all of this. Uh, it's rare that we see something like this a natural disaster, especially this time of year in Israel. It's a tragedy that is just horrific, and there have been some arrests now of some of the youth leaders who were involved. And I mean, it's a compounding tragedy. And think of all these families going into Shabbos now with suffering the loss of their children and really beautiful kids. Um, the... This is not such an unusual phenomenon that you have these flash floods in the Negev because the ground is hard. It doesn't get absorbed. And when you have heavy rains like this, the, uh, the and the water accumulates and it comes rushing down at such a high speed. I saw it once happen in the Negev, and it pushed the car off the road. And the uh, unfortunately, I had some work for me whose husband, she and her husband, had uh, only been recently married, were in the in the Negev with permission legally, and a flash flood came down where they were uh, hiking and washed him away. And they found him a long distance away from there. Unbelievable. And so people don't know the power. And when they warn, so often they warn people about uh, what not to, you know, where not to go and what not to do, people have to take it seriously. Plus, on top of that, the um, the same type of weather as you just described, in the middle of Jerusalem, in the middle of town. And uh, then the flooding in Tel Aviv and Yerushalayim, it's it's uh, really uh, unbelievable to, to see uh, the... the uh, big stores were, which are being flooded, and then some of the stuff just rushed out of the door and floating down the street. Unbelievable. People keep sending videos of this, uh, to, you know, so while it's entertaining to watch, you got to think of the consequences and the cost to people. It is unbelievable, and I guess, I mean, someone said to me, someone who lives in Jerusalem said to me last night that it's not that unusual, while the calendar still says April to have rain, but obviously a natural disaster like this is so out of the ordinary. A, a, a little, you describe the regularity which it does occur, but obviously still pretty rare. Anyway, our thoughts and prayers with the families, as you mentioned, going into Shabbos with this, some already laid to rest, these precious teenagers, others whose funerals will take place this coming Sunday. Um, speculation about the next uh, chairman of the Conference of Presidents. Is there any comment you can make publicly yet on this issue? Well, we've announced that the nominating committee actually went through a very extensive process, and we had really outstanding candidates this year, uh, many, uh, more than uh, usually. And uh, they uh, finally, after many meetings and a long process, recommended he's not been elected yet. That will take place on Monday. Uh, Arthur Stark, who's president of Friends of IDF from New Jersey, a businessman, he's president of Bad Beth and Beyond, and a, a long time active in the community, uh, was.
the board of Kushner Academy, where his children attended. He has um, been long associated with the, the community in Livingston uh, and with uh, activities, a broad range of organizations. And I'm sure he will be an outstanding chairman to succeed Steve Greenberg, who wasn't and is an outstanding chairman. All right, and this is essentially a formality. You expect that by the end of Monday he will officially be elected the next uh, conference chair. I anticipate it, but you never know. <laughs> yeah, one thing we know about elections in this country, you never know. We've learned that lesson already, <laughs> that's for sure. Uh, well, it's Friday, and that means that uh, if you have any um, a Gaza protest update or anything else that might be going on either on the border of Israel or uh, regarding protests in any other regard. You know, Friday sometimes can heat up in that area. Have you heard anything? Not yet. There's no uh, update regarding uh, the events there. Obviously, the attention has all been focused on the situation in the Negev. But these types of activities, it's possible, as we've seen now over the last couple of weeks, assuming, again, that it's out of the news, you know, out of the regular news cycle for normal reasons. I know, as you said, that obviously people are paying more attention to the tragedy. It's possible this this is waning. It's possible that it hit its crescendo already, right? Well, it has been diminishing, and that was the important thing to watch. I think we mentioned it on the air, is to see how what, what happens with numbers. Do they go up? Do they go down? Right. And the, it, it's clear that the numbers keep going down. Uh, I think last week there uh, were only a few thousand uh, people. doesn't diminish the uh, the drive for attention, public attention, and for the, you know, the media to be able to, to hit Israel again and again over this. Uh, but in fact, it's, it's, um, the numbers are an indicator that this is something that has been stimulated and it's been organized by Hamas and that most of the people who participated were Hamas operatives and were sent there just to be used and to be, you know, they were recruited. There were buses that drove around to pick people up at specific locations. And the... Uh, I know that some Palestinians were caught trying to bring in uh, Israel with a pipe bomb, and uh, at the Anyal checkpoint, and the uh, there are there are constantly efforts to break through the um, the fence, and I know they uh, that one of the journalists, a Palestinian journalist, that was shot uh, died of his wounds, uh, but. No stories uh, yet about uh, new numbers for today. We can anticipate that given the upcoming May uh, 15th designation in, of the site for the new embassy. 14. Uh, that May, May 14th, right. That uh, um, we can see a, a, another escalation that will be forthcoming. All right. Well, we'll certainly pay attention to that. And later on in this conversation, I do intend to ask you if you have any further information regarding uh, the uh, the celebratory aspect of the embassy move. All right, uh, speak to us if you would about this Macron visit. It's a, President Macron of of uh, France. It's a it's a little bit confusing because we we constantly see a renewal, as we understand it. Me, we meaning the average layman understand it. The renewal by President Trump of the Iran deal. Macron shows up, expresses what seems to be some dissatisfaction with the current deal. And it seems that the President of the United States, you know, will be swayed possibly to, in fact, change the conditions of the deal. So if he's not happy with it, why does he continue to endorse it? 
And if he is happy with it, why why pay attention to the request of the president of France to change things? So there are two subjects. One is the visit of the president and his um, the relationship between him and President Trump seems to be very close. Yeah. Uh, they struck it from the beginning and they uh, refer to each other and act clearly as, um, as uh, reflecting a, a very positive uh, relationship. And, and Macron has spoken it publicly, uh, differentiating himself from uh, – the vast majority, I think, of the EU countries who who don't have a high regard for the for the president, uh, and mostly for the good things that he's done, the right things that he's done, where they disagree. And one of the issues, obviously, is the uh, very um, immediate issue of May 12th and what's going to happen with the extension of the JCPOA. Uh, the, the deal with Iran, and we have to see that obviously Iran has been in violation by most estimates, and that it's it's a fl- very flawed deal. And the president was and may still be on uh, the road to to reject it and to pull out of it. It's not clear, and I don't think any decision has been made. I've not seen, and I've spoken to many of the people there. I don't. I have not seen any indication yet that there really is a final uh, decision on it. Uh, in fact, Mike Pompeo, the new Secretary of State, and General Mattis may, in fact, both be supporters of staying in and changing it. And I think that's what Macron was trying to sell him, that you would have more impact by uh, trying to get amendments, trying to get additional sanctions. I don't know that Europe has the stomach for additional sanctions. And most of all, they just, you know, let things move on. But the, the areas where they're talking about are both related to JCPOA and then things outside of it, like the missile program. That uh, they, they, you know, they, they continue to expand both the capacity, the range, the sophistication of the missiles, and also the export to to Hezbollah, to Yemen, to other places. Uh, you know, they fired more than a hundred missiles at Saudi Arabia from Yemen, and they are trying to attack the Aramco oil facilities, other things which uh, could not happen without Iranian backing, support, supplies. So the question of Iran's human rights violations, Iran's um, the, uh, support for regional terrorism, uh, Iran's uh, role in in um, in many of the conflicts in, in the region, all of these are factors that uh, they're talking about, including or finding ways to, to find additional sanctions uh, to, to apply to them. You know, the range of the missiles isn't as important as the the payload because even medium-range missiles, and there's been a lot of discussion about banning long-range, well, medium-range missiles hit Israel, hit Saudi Arabia, hit the critical immediate uh, targets. So it's not so much the range, the payload, and the ability, the the things able to carry a nuclear warhead. And, And these details are important because these are the things to look at to see whether any of them are achieved, and the question of whether you get full-time inspection, whether they get access to military facilities, which they haven't really uh, had till now. And these missiles are not included in the original Iran deal? That's right. Um, Macron, by the way, if in fact the desire is to get an addendum, which I now understand, in other words, you can keep the deal the way it is, but you insist that in order for it to remain in place, that a certain addendum be added, right? That would essentially be the strategy? 
That would be the strategy, is to to give the Iranians a a united front and say, here are the conditions under which we want this to continue. The Iranians say, we won't negotiate. They're not going to change it. You take it or you leave it. And if you leave it, understand the consequences that we will bust out or we will do what we want. They're not going to bust out so quickly. Iran's economy is in shambles. Iran, internally, there are demonstrations continuing all the time. They just don't get any coverage in the West. The young people are alienated from this regime. Older people are alienated from this regime. Unemployment is soaring. It's very high numbers, not the numbers you read about, uh, but much higher than that, especially amongst younger people, uh, college graduates, it could be as high as 40%. And the, uh, in general, the internal situation and and then you go to the periphery areas where we know that there's been uh, much more unrest. So the, the Iran situation is not ideal, and they, for them, the real challenge um, of uh, of having to come to grips with with change. There's more leverage. We have more leverage than uh, people know. Iran continues the infusion of money, billions, while their people are going without jobs, and there's a lot of deterioration of the infrastructure. And they're putting billions into Africa. They're building hospitals, 100 schools. He has these special seminaries that are under Khamenei's direct patronage. They have 6,000 seminarians, 6,000 people in these midrashas who are being trained in extremist ideology. In I think in 17, uh, they have branches in 17 African countries. And I only cite this as one example to know how, how aggressive Iran's outreach uh, continues to be and in who, Latin America, which we've talked about, and who's funding all that? Iran, with the money they seem not to have, unless they the, and, the and mon- their real, their 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 currency uh, has gone down one third just in September of this year, and it was like sixty one thousand reals, and but they pegged it at forty two thousand, which is an artificial rating. So when you compare it to what the uh, the black market uh, would be, and we see yet they're fl- sending cargo planes to Syria all the time, and the, the fear is, of course, that they're transporting weapons. They started after the U.S. Uh, missile attack. You know, we saw the step up of these uh, flights, and obviously Israel, the United States, and others are very concerned. But they're they're going through a period of ac- economic stagnation. Uh, there's no public benefit from all the money that they got, the 150 billion, and the the there are a lot of uh, uh, failures of financial institutions, and the I mentioned the the, the protests uh, that continue, but especially amongst students, amongst young people, amongst others, it's it's very complicated. It's a very negative time for them. Right, so they have no money, but the money they do have, they're spending on the camps and on the uh, you know centers of and terror. this outreach right. and, the, and this terror infiltration outreach. into Africa. Right. By the way, the Turks are also trying to recruit people from Africa, and their support for Hamas, Hezbollah, that all of that continues uh, unabated. But I, one last thing, though, before with the Iran deal for a moment. If, in fact, this is the strategy, if, in fact, you know, now with a, with a partner in France, with France being a partner of the United States, a more solid partner than than Macron's uh, predecessor uh, with President Trump, and in fact, you know, your conjecture is 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 the road they're on that they're you know going to seek some type of addendum and pressure Iran to add it to the deal. Then why would Macron put the pressure on Trump by declaring to the world that likely Trump's going to drop the entire Iran nuclear deal? Is that a strategy? Is that a just you know? Is he trying to be? Uh, is he trying to 
put pressure on the U.S. to? No, I think that that's that's what they honestly believe that, uh, and that Trump probably told them that he wants to dump this. He doesn't believe that it can be fixed. So, uh, and as I said, I don't think anybody can predict at this point what that they, uh, what the decision is because I don't think there is a decision. Right. I think there are differences within the administration about. Uh, what they should do, and uh, that's why when Macron said it, I don't think he was baiting him. I think that's exactly what he thinks. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at com on the NachumSegal Network, and <clears throat> on the beloved NSN app. What do you think of the meeting of the two Koreas that's taking place as we speak? Oh, it's certainly historic, and I think the president has a right to, to claim some uh, uh, credit credit, um, some influence in, in this decision, but it's certainly dramatic. The fact that he, he crossed over uh, the boundaries into uh, into coming to South Korea, I think all of these things are, are really quite remarkable. So tough talk makes a maniac a bit more reasonable? Would that be a way of putting it? <laughs> well, was- I, I think that, that the... That, uh, People like Kim uh, and others, dictators, uh, Khamenei included, and his allies, they, they probe for weakness. And where they find it, they exploit it. And where they meet resistance, they back off. And we know that this is the pattern throughout all of history, and, and uh, it, it's true today as it was in the past, that they, they will go, they will continue to push. It's called protracted conflict that you push ahead two steps and you back off one. But here, if you push them back far enough, if you really, if America really exercises the leadership it can, mobilizes others to follow with them, you have allies in the region like Saudi Arabia, UAE, Egypt, et cetera, et cetera, and of course Israel. They they can they can make a difference and they can change the course of actions and if we do it early if we anticipate issues we won't have to get involved in these morasses that involve huge expenditures of funds if we would move quickly and early and effectively and have a policies that are clear that our allies know where we stand our enemies know where we stand and the fact that they think he's capable of doing these things as we saw with Bush too, when he, when they thought he was really uh, crazy enough to act against them, when he did the acts of evil speech, he was at a peak of his power with them. So you you got to know how you how to deal with your enemy. It's if you want peace, you got to be strong. You got to be tough. You got to stand up to it. What a great lesson! Uh, will our new Secretary of State have a role in these negotiations with Korea? Uh, I, he's making. He's actually just already left on a tour that supposedly will bring him also to Israel. Maybe for May fourteenth. I don't know. But he uh, uh, he is uh, he's going off on a on, with a strong start. But he's somebody who knows. He's not somebody who has to be educated about American policy, et cetera. You know, because of his years in Congress, the CIA. Uh, he's very competent. Very. Uh, sympathetic to Israel, has uh, many friends and, and relationships there. So I should put him on the 50-50 list for May the 14th embassy move. He's on the question mark column. He's on the question mark <laughs> column. You can put him there, yeah. Is there anybody yeah. yet in the definite column? For him, yeah. Is there anybody yet in the definite column, or is everyone still in the question mark column? Does anybody have a clue who might show up on Monday the 14th of May in Jerusalem for this ceremony? Uh, well, um... There have been well. I think you can count on the fact that the ambassador and uh, Jason and maybe uh, Jared and uh, 
uh, others. There's talk that Mnuchin will go. There was talk that others, the question of who would lead the delegation. Uh, there was even uh, some speculation that Bolton would go, but I don't think that's the case. And Bolton has a lot to do here, and that the president not going, and or the vice president, the, the, the supposedly they're, they're bringing 250 people, and. Um, uh, oh, a, 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 a delegation. The embassy will be having their own people, even a, though they supposedly uh, low key the event. It seems to be at a high key for a low key. Right, it's on the higher end of low key events. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so the delegation of the U.S. could total two fifty or more. You're saying that's what they're saying. Wow, I didn't realize that. Uh, it should be interesting, and we'd expect. Obvi- I, I shouldn't say obviously. We expect the majority of Knesset members to be there, right? I would guess. Um, or is that not the case? I don't know. We'll have to see whether yeah, what role Israelis play in it. Obviously, uh, I assume that well, we don't have a foreign minister, so the prime minister will probably have to use the acting foreign minister, so I guess he'll be there. Right. He, although you remember when the president went to the Kotel, he didn't have any Israelis there. Right. I'm sure in this instance, the Israelis will be invited. Which country? And the mayor, of course, of, of Jerusalem. Right. Someone told me this week that one of the countries that we thought was actually uh, putting their embassy in Jerusalem is changing it to a consulate. Now I don't remember what that was, but... Uh. Well, there are a lot of issues that are emerging. The Czech president said that they would move Honduras. Uh, Par- the Paraguay's president, who's going out of office, uh, did urge it be moved. The Romanians, uh, the the prime minister and the and the government, uh, approved it, and the president opposes it. Now the president today is calling for the resignation of the prime minister over this issue. Oh, boy. And so it gets more and more interesting. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see how many countries actually make the move and what the nature of the move they make is. Hey, what do you think of that New York Times correction? Uh, apparently the New York Times does acknowledge that the uh, that the PA and PA families acknowledge the fact that families are paid when terrorists go ahead and blow up Jews. I think th- th- there are a couple of things that um, one should say about it. One, it's good that they made the correction, right. but, that, but the language they used went far beyond. Uh, it, it, it said that it implied that this was part of the right-wing conspiracy, the fake news, the other stuff right. uh, uh, in the New York Times story. And it was only a long time thereafter, after being pressured about it, they essentially denied that the Palestinians were paying right. the terrorists, even though Abbas has been declaring it. Right. Abbas gave speeches about it, and then they couldn't, they had to face up to that reality because you know, you, they're reporting on the one hand that, that he's saying all these things, and then they're denying that, that he's doing it. And everybody knows that the payments are being made. Everybody knows the, the nature of the system that they have, that it's it's mandatory, and that people who kill, whether they're in prison, whether they get killed, whether they're uh, still on the lam, they, they get, uh, they and their, or their families or survivors get significant amounts of money. The Taylor Force Act that was passed by the United States acted on that and denies money to the PA because of it. So finally, the New York Times decided that uh, that they made an erroneous reference to Palestinian actions. But in the meantime, they talk about uh, you know they had talked about it as uh, uh, you know one of the far right conspiracy uh, issues. Yeah. Um, so uh, the. 
an unsat a weak correction. Let's put it that way. A, a, uh, a, a, I would say yes. A full, no, but it, I think we should look at the at the source and the right, cause and think full, of right. how many. I mean, they do this all the time. But if that's the attitude, and if they they didn't have the information, so what kind of people are writing for them if they didn't know the true facts on this? After all of the public exposure. Right. Let me say it differently. A blatant lie and a weak correction. By the way, speaking of Abbas, he's going to lose his Jordanian citizenship? So they say, but let's see what happens. And does it matter? Is this like a procedural thing from Jordan, or are they making a statement against the PA? Well, this gives him a a, a passport to travel on, but um, uh, I I don't know if you should read too much into it in. All right, yeah, it doesn't seem as big of a deal as as the headline uh, uh, seems. Is UNRWA going bankrupt or not? I mean, I think hope UNRWA goes out of business, right. but then there's no excuse for its existence after all after seventy years. Well, they claim money may actually now take it out because of the, of the bankruptcy possibility. May actually take it out of existence. It may just fold. It may fold, but then you have to think about who picks up the responsibility. So while we can talk. Lively about the, the, what's wrong with UNRWA, but the, it's, the closing uh, could put a big burden on Israel, too. All right. Uh, you and I rarely speak about these issues before our conversations start on Friday. Today was a bit of an exception. We got into a short conversation about anti-Semitism in 2018. And I wonder what you think when you see these Kippa marches in Germany, for instance, this week. 2,000, maybe more, uh, gathering together, Jew and non-Jew alike, wearing kippot, specifically to make a statement about feelings toward Jews. I had spoken to you just, uh, like I said, minutes before the broadcast about the differences between now and 78. 80 years ago uh, for Jews in this world, as, as it is interesting to watch with all the uh, protests and votes for divestment, anti-Israel, uh, Hollywood speak, uh, episodes on the streets of New York and many other cities around the world. It is interesting sometimes to see these rallies take place in a place like Germany. Well, it is one of the issues I'll talk about this week in, in Great Neck, but the look at just what's come out this week. Uh, obviously, in the United States and in New York City, we saw numerous attacks. In Canada, there were 1,752 anti-Semitic attacks. That's more than four a day. And there's harassment, increase in violence in, in the past year. France, you had 300 political leaders, intellectuals, others, um, uh, addressing the question of ethnic cleansing of Jews or protesting it, that 10% of the Jews in Paris have moved, they've been forced to move from the neighborhoods in which they live. Uh, the, the, there were at least a dozen or so assassinations in the past 10 years of Jews in, in uh, France. And the, the, um, and the number of attacks, the, the, there are French Jews make up 1% of the population, yet 40% of the racist crimes are against Jews. And there are many more statistics that I, that I could give. Sarkozy and Valls joined those 300 uh, political leaders, the former president and prime minister. Right. Um, so there you also have an average of more than uh, uh, four attacks uh, a day. And as I said, uh, people paying the ultimate price. In Germany, in Great Britain, all of them, 1,382, 1,453 attacks in the past year. And this is the since they started keeping records. I know in Great Britain where you have CST, which does a great job. And in Germany, the Kippa March, which even the Minister of Justice supported, and many others in prominent position, after a young Palestinian Arab 
uh, uh, Israeli Arab, a Muslim, was put on a yarmulke to go in the streets to see what his Israeli Jewish counterparts were facing, or Jewish counterparts were facing, and uh, was subsequently attacked on the streets in Berlin. It's obviously not the first time, but it caused it called attention to it, and that's what led to the Kippah March, because the leader of the German Jewish community said people shouldn't wear kippot outside. They shouldn't wear uh, uh, outward symbols. Some of the rabbis and chief rabbis have said that too, but not about the Yarmulke. And then, of course, there was a response from the chief rabbi of Israel and others that, indeed, people should wear Yarmulke. You don't succumb to this terrorism. That's a victory for them. And the reaction of the public was to have the keep a march but it's you know it's it's not restricted to any one place and if it can happen in new york city and it can happen in berlin it can happen in great britain in in london in paris it's it should be of great concern and when we're marking the anniversary of yom shoah a week ago and this this year is the anniversary the 18th anniversary of kristallnacht which yeah. was the official I guess the historical beginning of the of what we call of the period called the Shoah. No, it began uh, earlier. Um, we all should be looking at this and seeing what lessons we learn. And nobody should be complacent about these attacks. This is not to be dismissed. These are significant numbers, and we know that it begins this way. And there are ideological components, there are political components, and when on our campuses. Even Jewish kids join sometimes in these anti-Israel measures or boycotts of Israel because they don't like the political leadership and uh, other manifestations, which really do amount to anti-Semitism. Malcolm Honline is going to be speaking three times tomorrow at Great Neck Synagogue. Those of you in the area, keep that in mind. Three times tomorrow at Great Neck Synagogue. And I bet you someone's going to ask you how all this could be happening if we have a state of Israel for 70 years. You know, we all thought that having, having our own state, and we see how many examples, thank God, that the state does protect Jews around the world, but still, with all these episodes, incidents, and uh, and votes and demonstrations, it's uh, even with the state. This is something. But think of what what would what would be happening if we didn't have the state of Israel. Yep. How many lives would have been lost? Yep. And you know the new projections that came out on Yom Atzmut last week that the the population now is. Eight million eight hundred forty-two thousand and seventy-five percent are Jews, and the Jewish birth rate um, being sustained at a, at a higher and higher rate. And the, but that the projection by twenty forty-eight, the hundredth anniversary, there will be fifteen point two million people in Israel. Unbelievable. And many of them try to escape situations like you just described around the world. And more and more. Look how much French you hear when you walk yeah. around the streets in different places. I mean, we spoke... Near the water where they like to live, but uh, but also South Americans, others are, are recognizing. But we don't want them to leave because of bad. They should be leaving because of the good. That the you, When you see the fertility rate for Israelis at the 3.11, it means that people have are optimistic and they... You know, the life is good, and the, the, the tuition is manageable in Israel for those who send their kids to, to the religious schools or to the government schools. And uh, life expectancy, in uh, I think when Israel was founded, was for women it was around 67, and for men, uh, 65 or less. And now it's 84 for women and 80.6 for men. Unbelievable. 
just man, it's the place to live. It's and they're the 11th happiest people in the world. And if you, you look at all the studies with all the fetching that people have about Israel, the fact is that Israelis' quality of life, at the economic situation, certainly there is a gap, and you have uh, many people still, hundreds of thousands, living below the poverty level. But that has to be addressed. But overall, the quality of life is very good. You know, and finally, uh, until this week's trip by Ayala Chaked, I didn't realize there's still 8,000 uh, people who identify as Jews in Ethiopia uh, who, I think, if I read things correctly, are ready, speaking of moving, are ready to move to Israel today. Is this an effort that Israel is going to undertake at this point? This is very complicated and very sensitive. Uh, you know, many in the government argue that no matter how many they take out, there's still more and there's still more. Others say, no, these are all legitimate people who sustained their Jewish identity during the period. So it has they have to be reviewed. And I think that these are basically people who have been vetted already. Wow. So Israel has said that they will do it on a, you know, a, is still taking in Jews on a limited basis, but I know ministers have gone there to study it, and uh, the chief rabbis, others have are constantly monitoring it because the amongst some of the, came, the those who came from Ethiopia, you have people who remained Christians when they came to Israel or other faiths, and uh, you, you know if they are first degree relative, they they have the right to come. Right. So it's it's a little bit complicated but and very sensitive. Uh, I know the president of Israel is going to be visiting Ethiopia soon, and having been involved in the in pushing for the rescue of Ethiopian Jews, obviously we care very much about them. Um, so I hope that the, you know they can every time that though that they finish, that's the argument being made <laughs> that there are always more right. who will come because obviously life in Israel is much better. But on the other hand, if they're legitimately Jewish and have the affinity and ready to move, they argue that they should be allowed to come. Great Neck Synagogue tomorrow. By the way, they have a wonderful rabbi in Great Neck Synagogue. Which they I'm certainly sure, do. I'm sure you know that. I know him for uh, a long time. Uh, finally, uh, tell Mr. Arthur Stark this is a time for really important, serious American Jewish leadership. So uh, I, ho- I hope he knows what he's, what he's getting himself into. Well, he has a couple of weeks to, to sharpen the knives before he actually takes office, and he succeeds an amazing man and who will stay involved, and his predecessors, who are remarkable people. And you look at the panoply, even though we criticize Jewish leadership, you see that they're really a really remarkable group of people cover the entire spectrum, religiously, politically, etc. And uh, while we don't deal with religious issues in the conference, you know, we have everybody represented there. And it's very important to sustain uh, uh, the, the forum uh, for Achtos, for people to come together, even if they differ, but to be able to communicate with one another, work together, and differ in respectful ways. Excellent. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Enjoy Great Neck. We'll speak again next week. Great. Take Ma- care. Good Shabbos. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. He joins me, of course, and all of us in the collective Jewish world mourning the loss of the 10 teenagers in this terrible natural disaster in Israel. We spoke about it earlier. Our thoughts and prayers with the families in our beloved homeland of Israel.